Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 120. Hello, how are you? What's going on? Happy Saturday, happy summer, happy July. It is day 866 of my pandemic, which will be the rest of our lives. (laughs) I was laying out for my wife a, a vision for an outdoor bar at her house. And she's like, you don't even use the bar we have. You barely drink. We don't really see people. I'm like, well, I think that they're related. And it's occurring to me this pandemic's never going to end. And I'd like to see people again. And I don't really have anywhere to entertain here, you know. And so, you know, let's have an outdoor bar. (laughs) Uh, Then we were talking about... What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, all the deadly microbes in frozen in permafrost in the Arctic that will be thawed out as climate change continues and the Arctic warms up and how they'll just unleash pandemic after pandemic after pandemic. We weren't even really, like, having depressing conversations. These are just sort of factual things that will eventually happen. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, I did go to New York, though. It was pretty fun. I drove nine hours each way by myself in an automobile on Interstate 95, mostly. You got to take some 86 or whatever from Durham to 95 to Virginia, basically. But uh, it was a good time. You know, the drive was really fun. The interstate system is, is, is an amazing thing. and It's crazy. People are crazy. It is littered with blown out tires. Everybody speeds. There are houses on the road. There are tanks, motorcycles, large pieces of bridges, seven different boats, maybe more. I stopped counting boats after a while. Just people on the interstate just doing interstate stuff. It's like a parallel alternate universe. It's a different reality when you're in interstate mode, you know. Rest stops gas, bathrooms. It's really like everything that your life becomes. And, you know, it's getting weirder now with adaptive cruise controls. Uh, I drove Emma's car. It has adaptive cruise control. Mine does not. It just has cruise control. Um, It doesn't stay in the lane or anything, but it speeds up and slows down and brakes. And it's pretty cool, you know? Like, uh, (laughs) this car, we've had this car for years. I just never learned about it. Um, but you know, on the interstate, cruise control is very interesting because everybody's cruising and, but they all pick these arbitrary speeds and people might be like one or two miles an hour faster or slower than you and you pass them or they pass you and it's so slow. And then like somebody else would be like at the speed limit, which is like nine or 10 miles below where you're going. And so it's like, even though everybody just wants to cruise on cruise control, everybody's ruining it for everybody else. It's very interesting. Like it's kind of broken, you know? Um, I don't really know what autopilot does on Teslas. You can set the speed, I think, right? Because it's not like you're passing Teslas left and right on the interstates. They're all speeding too. 
But yeah, it was fun, you know, and New York was great. I went for my friend Jenna's book party, uh, had a drink with her the night before. I met her publisher. That was super fun. And then I went to bed. I stayed at the hotel in Rivington where I used to stay all the time back like 15 years ago when it first opened and I was still in Boston before I got my first apartment in New York uh, more than 15 years ago. And yeah, God, a long time ago. And, uh, you know, they haven't really done a lot to update the place, <laughs> which I kind of, you know, I'm nostalgic for the place. I like it. But it's pretty run down. But it's in the Lower East Side. It's very convenient. There's a bunch of other hotels in the Lower East Side now, of course. But I still think it's pretty convenient. There's a really nice new one down at the bottom of Orchard Street, right where I used to live, actually, at Orchard and Hester. Um, Really beautiful, just beautifully redone. I might stay there next time, but that's pretty far down, you know? Like, uh, and then there's the ones that are just south of Houston, like the Ludlow Hotel and Public. And those are too far up. So, you know, like Hotel in Rivington, it feels like it's just at the, it's right where you want to be. Essex and Rivington. It's a great corner. It's right by the Essex Tea Stop on Delancey. It's, you know, Delancey. It's, it's convenient. Um, and then the next day I had breakfast with Nicholas Rhodes, AKA Nikki Digital. That was great. And then I had lunch with my friend Eva and then I walked from NoHo to the park. Prospect Park, <laughs> well into Prospect Park, stopped off in Brooklyn and had uh, a drink and met up with some friends that run a company called Guilty by Association. It's an art company. Uh, uh, Derek and Karen, that was really great. And then my friend Dorothy's working with them and she's dating my friend Felix. So that was really cool. I saw all of them. Then I walked deep into Prospect Park and uh, met up with Tom and his partner Rose and Jesse was in town and we went to Janet's book party and that was super fun and she did a reading and then we took uh, the subway back into town and went to Bonnie V in the Lower East Side and met Mia for her birthday and met a bunch of other people I didn't really know and our friend Jesse showed up so that was nice. That was all outdoors. I did everything outdoors. Uh, the bar with Jenna the first night was not outdoors, but we sat in the windows at an empty bar. <laughs> so it counted. Uh, and I did not get COVID. I'm very proud of myself. The book party was outside. Breakfast and lunch were outside. Uh, Mia's birthday was outside. Uh, seeing all the guilty by association people. I did go into their office. We all masked for a few minutes, but we spent most of that time at a patio at a bar outside. It was great. Derek walked with me from that bar to the Prospect Park. Wisely did not walk all the way into the park to the book reading. Uh, and then the next day I got back in my car, which was parked at the parking garage right by Whiskey Board, and I drove home. And it took nine hours again. And I was home by 4.30. I picked up pizza. <laughs> when family had dinner. It worked remarkably well. I would probably do it again. I kind of want to at the end of August, right before my wife takes the car to Atlanta. She's going to Atlanta to see her friend Clara and go to Dragon Con uh, over Labor Day weekend. So uh, I got a friend in New York that I haven't seen through the whole pandemic, and she will be there the week before Labor Day. So I might go again. I might go again. And then I want to go to Boston. I don't really know. Maybe I can combine the two, but I can't because there's two shows I want to go to in Boston. They're eight days apart, but the eight days in between or when Emma wants to be in Dragon Con. I can make both shows. I have to go back and forth. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, that's too much traveling. I still don't really enjoy traveling. Driving is fun, though. Uh, I'm really just like into driving up and down the East Coast now to see people. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, other than that, you know, been working, gardening, taking care of Jane. It's been really hot. It's been raining. Uh, the garden's good. Um, Jane is good. My health is good. I, I broke 50 pounds down on this diet. Uh, still on the Wagovi. It's still really hard to get. It's still really expensive. I might stop soon. I don't know. I feel vaguely nauseous all the time. I, maybe I'll go down a dose. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what to do about that. Uh, I have two weeks to decide, so I will figure that out. Um, yeah, yeah. I did have some nicotine lozenges when I was in New York. I'm not going to lie, but I'm not taking them habitually. So, you know, and they made me feel sick. I didn't like it. I'm going to stop. I haven't bought any. I just had a few laying around in my travel bag. I was like, these would be wise to take with me. Uh, mainly because the mints I use, you know, they make you fart. I don't want to be farting when I'm around people. <laughs> <laughs> TMI, Rick, TMI. Jane is good. Uh, her next vaccine appointment is, I think, in a week or two. I don't know how much it's going to matter since, you know, they're not targeted to Omicron. Uh, the next booster, the third Moderna booster, second Moderna booster, third dose that kids are going to get, hopefully by fall, is targeted to Omicron. So that'll be good. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been throwing a lot of fits. It's been a little rough. I did, you know, got home and did a bunch of bedtimes in a row to make up for Emma doing a bunch of bedtimes when I was gone. And then Emma wanted me to sort of quarantine when I got home for three days. You know, the first day was driving, so that was easy. And then two more nights, um, you know, we ate dinner on the patio. I stayed in my office or the bedroom. When I went in the rest of the house, I wore a mask. It wasn't like hardcore or anything like that. But, um, and, you know, it was fine. But then I, you know, I backlogged on bedtime. So I did like three or four in a row. And one of them, man, Jane just like giant fits. And like, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with her fits. Like Emma has more patience both like to, to, we have a lot of like debates about the best way to handle them. You know, like if, if you talk to her about it and like, are you indulging her feelings? Do you need her to, she's really mean when she does it. And you need to like make it clear that kind of behavior is unacceptable, you know? and and I read some book and it was like, you know, it's kind of like a timeout, but not really. It's more like wait for them to get through the like emotional stage before you talk to them because you can't talk to them in that stage. And I can't. I, I, she just doesn't let me even talk to her. But Emma tries. And so we have different sort of opinions. But, you know, and then like I was in this bedtime and she was just so mad at me, just so mad. And I could get her calmed down and laughing again, but then she'd remember she was mad and she'd just get mad again. Like that's new. She used to be like, once you got her calmed down and laughing and stuff, she just moved on. But now she doesn't. She goes back to it. And it's just like, oof. Oof. And there's like certain times of day she does it. She always gets cranky and like, like argumentative at lunch. And, you know, lunch, I'm on a schedule. I got work. You know, I got meetings right before and after lunch. And, and it's just like, oh, can you just don't argue with me all through lunch every day? It's very, it's rough. But, you know, the rest of the time she's an angel. She's great right now. I was just out there playing with her and her dolls. She's really into her doll house right now that Emma found at the <laughs> recycling center, swap center, like a Barbie dream house that she painted black. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. And then there's a new update to No Man's Sky where they did a lot of like improvements to base design on freighters. And so this morning I was playing that update and then Emma and Jane was playing with her dolls and mom came down and, because, you know, I do breakfast in mornings as well, and Emma sleeps in because she works late. And she comes downstairs, and Jane's playing with her dollhouse, and I'm playing with basically my dollhouse in this game. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh yeah work is good it's really busy this week was really busy week before i took most of it off for uh new york i took wednesday thursday and friday off so that was good and then the week before that i think i mentioned this on the podcast but it was like a million little like emergencies that any one of them you could deal with like just okay that's a pain oh that sucks but okay let's sit down let's deal with it you know but there were like seven of them, and I was just like, oh, my God. So then the week in New York, I was like, I'm just going to ignore all this. And then they've been slowly unraveling, and, you know, we've been working through each one of them. And it was a lot better this week. So that was good. That was good. And then gardening. Um, while I was gone, the squirrels found a way into the hoop house, which was catastrophic. They ate, like, 15 tomatoes. Mind you, I have like 100 tomatoes, so it wasn't completely catastrophic. I've had two big harvests of tomatoes since. Um, but, you know, I've just basically been waging war on them since. Uh, I moved the camera. I have like wireless Wi-Fi cameras out there, and I put it right where they go to eat the tomatoes. And I put a special alert on my phone that plays a sound whenever they're in there. And I rush out, and I look, and I see where they got in, and then I close up that hole. I've been doing that a bunch, and then I put a bunch of rubber snakes in there because people say that helps. Although, you got to move them all the time, and the squirrels get wise to it, so that's a problem. They're not falling for the snakes right now. And then cayenne pepper, which I put on the border where they were getting in, but then they chewed their way on the other side. So I'm going to need to put, like, basically, like, like it's a witch or the devil in a circle of salt or something. I'm going to surround the whole I ordered a five-pound bucket of cayenne pepper off of Amazon. I'm going to surround the whole hoop house, which I'll have to do every time it rains, until they give up and the peppers are harvested, of course. You know, it's not going to be forever. Um, and then I realized I have about 10 pounds of Thai chili peppers frozen in the freezer that I haven't used from last year because I just over-planted Thai chili peppers last year. So I got a, my oven, my smart oven called the June Oven, which is super expensive, but it's the greatest thing in the world. And it's the only oven we use, and it does everything. It has a dryer function. Uh, so I'm drying all of these chili peppers and I'm going to grind them up and I'm going to use my own and they're way spicier than cayenne pepper. So that should be pretty intense. I feel good about that. <laughs> it's going to rule, <laughs> but it just happened. I was prepping for this podcast and they went, woo, woo, woo. that's the alarm sound. And I ran out there and there's a squirrel and I it turned out, I didn't know this, but I was standing where he came in. So he couldn't get out that way. So he was trying to get out another way, which was actually really convenient because I watched him run around the whole hoop house and he couldn't get out until I moved. Then he got out right where I was standing and he had chewed a hole there and I like closed it up with clamps. So it is scary again. He will chew another hole, but the reason he did it over there is because there was no cayenne pepper. So I will put the cayenne pepper all the way around it. I'm coming for your squirrels. I, I went three days without them getting in though. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I've been harvesting a ton of tomatoes. Gonna Tomorrow I'm going to make a bunch of marinara sauce. Um, tons of cucumbers, like 40 pounds of cucumbers across two weeks. And I gave them, the first batch I gave to the neighbors, and then there was like 20 pounds left, and I didn't know what to do with it, so I just composted it. I felt terrible. And then two weeks went by, and then yesterday, I, 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 like last weekend, I harvested another 30 pounds of cucumbers, but I called the food bank, and they're like, yes, we take local produce so i drove it to the food bank which is what i always wanted to do with extra gardening stuff and i was hoping i could do with the tomatoes this year but uh at least i did it with the cucumbers i just brought you know five giant grocery bags filled with cucumbers to the food bank it felt really good it was i mean we give them a bunch of money and stuff but you know it feels good to do something like that uh and then i've been harvesting radishes those are going really well and my mother-in-law likes the radishes so i've been giving her those the beans green beans been giving those to my mother-in-law uh, and a ton of shishito peppers, red pepper, bell peppers. I gave those to her, but I should have planted more red bell peppers. Next year, I'll plant more for her. And 
and uh, the Thai peppers are just coming in. The jalapenos are going gangbusters, and the shishitos are going gangbusters. The cucumbers are going gangbusters. I harvested all the lettuce. It bolted, so I planted some new summer slow bolt lettuce. Planted some arugula. Did that last week. It's all sprouting now. Planted some celery and some and some carrots, some fennel. That's all just sprouting. The loofahs are growing nicely right now. I don't think they're going to get a loofah, but they're. Actually, I should have planted them earlier. I made some mistakes this year, but um. It is by far my most successful year, so I feel good about that. Let's turn to the media report this week. Um, only one addition to Plex, Guillermo del Toro's 1993 vampire flick called Kronos, which I did not know existed, and I just learned about it, and so I wanted to watch it. I got it from Netflix, ripped it. It's up there if you want it in 1080p. Uh, I turned off my Discog store when I went to New York and I forgot to turn it on until I was prepping the notes for this podcast. So I did not sell anything on Discogs this week, except I sold a vinyl copy of Bright Eyes Letting Off the Happiness reissue that came out this year because either I accidentally bought it twice from Rough Trade or Rough Trade accidentally shipped me the thing twice. So I had an extra one. I sold it for like $2 less. So, you know, either I made a profit or I lost $2 because of a dumb mistake. But, you know, I got most of it back, so it's not that bad. I feel okay about it. Um, so then a bunch of vinyl came. I was just, you know, too much, too much. Yeah, six records, seven records. Um, mostly old stuff. Uh, I got a, a, v- a vintage first edition copy of the James album uh, Stutter? Stuffer? I don't even know. <laughs> I've been trying to buy all the James albums, and I don't know that one. It was cheap. Uh, Skull Crusher. It was a band I listened to like two years ago, and I really, really liked this EP. And I guess at the time I had stuck, uh, put it on my want list in, in Discogs, though I haven't been listening to Skull Crusher much since. But the place I bought it from had Johan Johansson and Year Eliza Glottman's soundtrack, First and Last Men, which I love. And that's been reissued, and it's hard to get in America, and this record store had it. And so they also had this Skull Crusher EP for like $4. So I was like, all right, I'll pick that up. I haven't listened. This just came like minutes before I started the podcast, so I haven't listened to those yet. Uh, the Mountain Goats reissue of an older album called Transcendental Youth, a reissue of Suicide's album Ghost Riders, and uh, an original pressing of Lush's Scar. I love Lush. I love early Lush, especially the, the shoegaze gothy lush and i did not have scar it's an ep i think it's their first ep um it's 480 obviously great cover uh very happy to get it it looked great very excited and then albums i listened to this week uh you know i was gone for three days so it's a little bit less than usual i I listened to a fair number of albums so uh there's a new guy to buy voices tremblers and goggles by rank I don't know what's going on with their, the way they name their albums these days. That's <laughs> uh, yet another Guided by Voices album. It's good. Good songs. Um, there's an accompanying interview. First one he's done in ages because a former member of the band is now a journalist and he pounded him into an interview. And it was pretty interesting how they create the albums now. The whole band lives in different cities. And the engineer producer guy is heavily involved and sort of coordinates them, like mailing around and assembly of the album. It was very interesting. And he says he's very proud of the next album that's coming out next year. And he's so proud of it. That there's only going to be one release in 2023. Only one album in 2023. Tremblers by Goggles and Rank. Tremblers and Goggles by Rank, I think, is the third Guided by Voices album this year. I mean, I like them, but like you can't. there's no time to get to know them before there's another one. So Also, he's been writing longer songs. Some of the songs on this album are like four or five minutes long. It's pretty crazy. Uh, a band called Typography... Uh, 
Topographies. The album is called Ideal Form. It's like gothy shoegaze. I really, really liked it. A band called Mirim, M-I-R-I-M, except for the eyes are exclamation points, and it's all caps. The album is called The Visionary. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think it's appropriate to turn the screensaver on when you're recording, computer. Uh, the new Interpol album, The Other Side of Make Believe, which I actually liked. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, I don't think I, I don't anticipate listening to it a lot in my life, but uh, it was solid. There's a new soundtrack by Mogwai. It was very good. It's called Blackbird. Don't know what the movie's about. It's really long, and uh, I don't think I'll be listening to it again. Maybe I'll buy it. I don't know. I don't know. Ugh, Mogwai, man, they're so prolific. But uh, it was really good for one of their soundtrack albums. There's a new album by Alan Parsons. I have been following late career Alan Parsons for quite some time because there have been a couple of really good albums. This one is a little middling. There are some good tracks on it, however, including one made by a dude I know, collaborated with Alan Parsons on one of the tracks on this album. He is the cousin of uh, my friends Abby and Emily, and I used to hang out with him when he'd come to New England for the holidays. He lives out in L.A. He's from Marshfield, where the twins Abby and Emily are from, and we would all hang out over the holidays for several years running. And uh, I liked him a lot. And he he's a Facebook friend. And he uh, it was so funny. He's like, check out this new track I made with Alan Parsons. And like, you know, everybody was probably thinking like, Alan Parsons, I don't know, he's still around. And I'm thinking like, whoa, I am quite into Alan Parsons' late career albums. <laughs> so, uh, and I did not comment to him. So I got to do that because like how many of his friends are going to happen to be into late career Alan Parsons? So Andy, if you're listening, congrats, man. I'm jealous. <laughs> Uh, then I listened to the Truman Show soundtrack because I rewatched the Truman Show. Uh, <laughs> Philip Glass did the soundtrack. He is also in the movie. He plays, does the soundtrack to the Truman Show in the Truman Show. Uh, I wrote a very long treatment for my vision of a sequel to the Truman Show in one of my daily emails this week. I'm very obsessed with it, but I really like the soundtrack and it really takes you back, man. It's like you hear the theme and you're like, that's the Truman Show theme. <laughs> Even if you hadn't thought about it, and right now I'm sure you couldn't say how it went, but if you heard it, you'd be like, that's the Truman Show theme. It's kind of fascinating. Uh, then I listened to the, an album by Zola Jesus, Jim Thurwell, and the Mivos Quartet called Versions. Uh, the Mivos Quartet did a Tiny Desk concert, and I liked them. And I went to Spotify to find the song that they played, and it wasn't there, but I discovered this album. And I like Zola Jesus, and I like Jim Thurwell, and I've seen them both live, and I bet I've seen one of them, at least with the Mivos Quartet. But I don't know. But I really enjoy that album. Yeah, versions. Uh, then I listened to an album, a band called Chat Pile. Oh, yeah, this is a recommendation from Bill. Thank you, Bill. Uh, so he said it sounded like early amphetamine reptile without the metal, and it is, sounds exactly like that. It's called uh, Wicked Puppet Dance. It's an EP. I don't even think it's an EP. It's three songs on Spotify. I think it's actually three advanced tracks before the album comes out. He mentioned the next day that he just got the album in the mail. I might have to buy it. But chat pile. I'm very into chat pile. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Uh, and then, this is slightly out of order, but I have been reading a book, Corporate Rock Sucks, The Rise and Fall of SST Records by Jim Ruland. Um, and, you know, uh, it turns out I don't know much about SST and the bands on the label. <laughs> I mean, I 
later period SSD, I was a big Sonic Youth fan, of course, so I have all those records. Uh, they put out Opal. I have the Opal record. Um, Roger Miller from Boston from Mission to Burma, big fan. He used to go to the record store, buy records from him. I've seen Roger Miller's various incarnations many times, open for him once. He was on SST. Um, but the early stuff, obviously, I'm aware of Minutemen, Black Flag, Husker Du, and the Meat Puppets, and, and uh, Bad Brains. Um, I have only seen, saw the meat puppets. I never saw bad brains. Never saw black flag. Um, I s did not see who's do and did not see the Minutemen. I did see fire hose. Obviously I saw Bob Mould many, many, many times. Uh, I saw Grant Hart from who's do, but I didn't see them in their original bands, which sucks. I saw a lot of the other LA bands and the early, the hardcore scene as a scene distinct from say New York punk, like the Ramones. I did see the Ramones. I did see television, I did see Blondie, and the, you know, UK punk scene, I don't think I saw any of them, I never saw, like, UK subs, I never saw, oh, I saw GBH and Exploited, Circle Jerks, uh, Descendants, never saw Sex Pistols, obviously, didn't, no, actually, I think I did go to that reunion tour, <laughs> oh god, that was dumb, um, never saw Ian during the Blockheads, uh, anyway, um, but you know, none of those, like, so I, I really respected Minutemen and Husker Du, but even Husker Du, I didn't, I, like, I've never listened to Zen Arcade all the way through, and I never, never listened to Flip Your Wig all the way through, I like the songs when I hear them. So I'm reading this book, and it's a history, and you know, Greg Ginn, it's pretty interesting, he's kind of a dick, um, but I really admire his dedication to anti-corporate rock and staying true to his roots. I really admire his sense of community building. His work ethic is prodigious, but he was just kind of mean. And then if Henry Rollins, I saw Henry Rollins live, saw a spoken word, saw Rollins band, never saw Black Flag. Uh, I've seen Greg Ginn in a couple of different arcade incarnations since. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting reading this book, uh, the early stuff, like, I don't really care too much about, like, Black Flag, the Minutemen, and the Germs, and Circle Jerks, and, you know, I care about Pat Smear later in life, <laughs> I care about Mike Watt, and what, you know, later in life, I mean, friends with my sister now, or was for a while, I doubt they're still in touch, but, um, you know, like, and then there's all these bands I just never heard of, all of this is to say, I listen to, like, 20 or 30 early SST albums this week. As I was reading the book, I would just put them onto a playlist and listen. I read at night in bed and then I put it on the playlist and I listen to it the next day. A lot of them I'd already listened to, like most of the Black Flag albums I've heard. Well, that's not actually true, but you know. Uh, and same with, you know, like, so anyway, the ones I had listened to that I have never actually or couldn't definitively say I listened to all the way in order were Minutemen, The Punchline, The Stain self titled album. Uh, Meat Puppets first EP called In a Car, the Husker Du first release, the live album Land Speed record, uh, St. Vitus self-titled record, uh, The Dicks, that guy went on later to be Sister Double Happiness, he's from Texas, uh, their album's called Kill the Heart, Hate the Police, uh, Husker Du's, I didn't let, never heard Zen Arcade all the way through, or New Day Rising all the way through, or Flip Your Wig all the way through, and I listened to all of those. I knew the hits, obviously. I never listened to Meat Puppets 2 all the way through. I really got into the Meat Puppets, like, maybe third record. Uh, and then I got into Husker Du retroactively from the first Bob Mould solo record, which I loved, and I saw that tour. 
Black Flag, Loose Nut, I'd never listened to. Worm, Exhumed, I'd never listened to. And Minutemen, Three-Way Tie for Last, I'd never listened to, <laughs> I think. I mean, I've, I've heard songs, but never heard of whole records. So I listened to all those this week. Um, and now I'm into the part of the book, which is sort of the mid-period of SST, which is Sonic Youth. And uh, bands that I've heard much more. I mean, now I'm in the like part of the book where I like, I, I, you know, I probably own 20 or 30. Actually, I should look it up. Albums on SST, but they're almost universally from like 87 on when Sonic Youth signs the label. <laughs> like Chakoti Youth, Bad Moon Rising, Confusion is Sex, Sonic Youth self-titled, all through all, all of those I already have. Opal, like, you know. Um, also, I learned that the guy that plays uh, the garage attendant in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and who is in a Jim Jarmusch film was the first drummer of Sonic Youth. Learned something every day, as was Jim Sclavunos, who went on to be in Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, I already knew that part, though. Anyway, it's a pretty good book. Um, yeah, you know, I don't really care. It's in, like uh, it's well written. Uh, I like the the entrepreneurial story. I like the work ethic story. Um, the part where D Boone dies in a car crash is very very sad. Oh, there's this guy Spot. He produced most of the records I just listed. He was like the house engineer for SST Records, and then he moved to Austin. I learned that in the book. But then my friend Miranda, when I was writing this yesterday, she told me that Spot was the house sound guy at Lovejoy's downtown, which is the punk rock bar downtown around the corner from Mugshots that I used to go to all the time. Specifically, my friend Kevin loved that bar. Uh, and Spot, the SST sound guy, was the sound guy there. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I listened to all of those. So, you know, when I was like, I didn't listen to many albums this week. I did, but they're mostly just on SST records. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll talk, we'll talk more about that book next week because I'm, I'm about two-thirds of the way done. Um, television. Let's see. We finished Miss Marvel. I thought it was great. We are almost we're caught up in Orville New Horizons. That is getting better. We watched the January sixth committee hearing, which if I was more awake, I would talk about a lot. But I'm kind of tired, a little hungover today. Emma and I, I have implemented every two for weeks on Friday at night. We sit on our patio and sit downstairs at the TV, and I have gin and tonics, and we talk. So we did that last night. I had two gin and tonics, and now I'm like hungover and a little tired because I'm not good at drinking anymore. Also, it was like the first trip I ever went to New York that I stayed sober every night. I mean, I drank, but like I didn't get drunk, and uh, I guess I'm a healthy, sane, good person, but I'm just kind of bitter about it. <laughs> uh, and then we're watching Westworld, which is, I really like Westworld. I am into season four. I liked season three. I'm like the only dude that went into this season excited <laughs> and it's really delivering. It's surprising me. It's cool. I'm into it. I, I, you know, that's just me. I like it. Uh, we're watching the bear like everyone else. We're about half done. It's really intense. It takes a lot out of me. I don't like the mean cousin. Um, it's good. We'll finish it. But God, I'm just like, oh, these people. There's been a lot of discourse about like whether it's all editing or directing. I don't think that's the truth, right? Like, it is the acting. It's the personalities, uh, the intensity of it. Like then you know the episode where like the lady cook did that mean thing. I was just like, ooh, I feel that. Oof, oof, God, man, Ugh, it's rough. 
Um, and then we're watching Only Murders in the Building, season two, which I feel like is like sloppier, but I think I felt this way in season one until they wrapped it all up. Like, I feel like the things I think are sloppy are maybe the clues. I don't know. I'm not good at mysteries. I've never been good at mysteries, but I really like it. Um, Salida Gomez is awesome. <laughs> Martin Short, they're all good. It's a great cast. It's, it's, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. It makes me happy. Uh, I watched a bunch of movies. I watched the new Nick Cave movie, This Much I Know to Be True, which was, you know, I loved the non-musical parts a lot. And I think the musical parts were beautifully filmed, just gorgeously filmed. But I don't like a lot of the new songs. They're kind of boring. But some parts of it were just so good. Uh, a lot of ups and downs in that one. I'm just, I'm just, you know, they're fine when I go see them live. And I'm probably going to go see this tour because he also plays old songs. In fact, right now on the the European tour, he's playing uh, City of Refuge, which is off of The Good Son, which is like one of my favorite songs by him. But, um, you know, this doc- documentary film is just all new songs from the last two albums from uh, Carnage and whatever the other one was called. <laughs> the one with Galleon Ships, <laughs> Ghostine, that's what it's called. Um, but man, yeah, the guy that filmed it, Dominic, what's his name? I can't remember. Andrews, uh, who ironically married Deanna from the song Deanna by Nick Cave. He tells us that in the movie. Uh, anyway, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful filming, beautiful direction. Uh, then I watched Lightyear, the Buzz Lightyear movie, <laughs> which was fine. It does not work out with the canon of Buzz Lightyear and Zerg from the Toy Story movies, which is kind of weird. And the time travel paradox part is kind of irksome. And I have complaints, but... It's a cartoon movie about a toy, man. <laughs> Let it go, Rick. <laughs> uh, then I rewatched Party Monster, the Macaulay Culkin film that is about Michael Alec, the limelight club promoter who murdered someone. I've been reading, you know, I read the, the book about the limelight founder and I watched the documentary about the limelight. I've been very obsessed with the limelight these last few days. This is I got this off of Netflix and I specifically to watch the behind the scenes stuff to see if it was actually shot at limelight. It was not, they built a set. So I didn't, there's no footage of limelight in the movie. There might be one scene that I think is the real exterior, but um, it's such a weird movie. I forgot how weird it is. The acting's weird. It's like, it's a shot on DV. So it's like, you know, that era of early nineties when like how Hartley was doing this and um, Mike Figgis shot a DV film, those DV mini DV films. Michael Almadira shot the Ethan Hawke's Hamlet on mini DV. I just, you know, I, I was fine at the time, but it, like it didn't age well. So even if it was the real limelight, the footage is so low res, you know, those mini DV thing. I think they shot it like 720p or something. It's not, it's not very high res. Um, what else? Uh, and then I watched, rewatched the Truman show as I was talking about earlier, which is such a compelling movie. Um, you know, it gets darker and scarier as you get older and it's more upsetting. Uh, but also like the things that happen in the film to make, to cause Truman to realize he's living in a show, like when the light falls at the very beginning and then the radio in his car and then the elevator door opens and it shows backstage. Like that's like a lot of mistakes in a very short time span after 30 years of not making many mistakes. You know what I mean? And I, it leads me to believe there's a saboteur in the ranks of Christoph's production company, <laughs> which is what I went on. I'll, I'll spare you because I wrote about this extensively this week in Good Morning, Hello, How Are You? But uh, yeah, it's a great film still. It's still really compelling. 
And uh, then I watched a documentary called Recorder, the Marion Stokes Project, which is a documentary about a woman who recorded 30,000 hours of live news over three, 30 years nonstop, 24 hours a day. It's intense. And she was a bit of a pack rat, and she was really rich, so she could afford to be a pack rat. She filled nine homes with stuff, and she recorded 30,000 videotapes, not hours. It's like hundreds of thousands of hours. It's crazy. Uh, it was very good. And, you know, I, it must have been very hard to make because it seems, I, I think they had access to the archive. So they never say explicitly, but they use a lot of like vintage videotapes. So I assume they must have. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was really good. I feel like I watched another movie, but I didn't write it down. So I guess that's it. Uh, I finished Rough Draft, a memoir by Katie Turr at the request of my wife uh, because she tells me to read books and then tell her about them. It was fine. It was compelling. We had already watched Whirly Bird, the documentary about her crazy parents that were the helicopter news people in LA that filmed like, you know, OJ's car getting away and all this other stuff. Um, and you know, it was fine. It was a quick read autobiography. It was enjoyable. It was pleasant. Uh, I don't really watch a lot of MSNBC anymore, so I haven't seen Katie Turr on television in ages. <laughs> she used to be like a household thing in our house, but not anymore. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. That about does it for this week. I moved the music to make that little crescendo thing right before I say goodbye. Did you like that? Thank you very much for listening. I will see you guys in a couple weeks. Drop a line. Let me know how you're doing. And I hope your summer is going brilliantly. Take care. Bye.